All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Resource Insider Podcast Quarantined Edition. And today I'm sitting down and talking with a gentleman named Craig Perry, uh, who I think many of you may know or at least have heard of. And now Craig is uh, Craig has a Rolodex of jobs right now. He is the chairman of Skeena Resources. He is the chairman of Vizla. He is the CEO of ISO Energy. He is the chairman of Blockhead Technologies. He is one of the founder and currently still a partner of EMR, one of the world's biggest mining-focused private equity firms in Australia. And he is a geologist now based in Canada. So Craig, we've invested in some of the deals that Craig has put together. We've gotten to know each other over the last year or so. Uh, through those sort of interactions. And I wanted to sit down with Craig because he has got his fingers in a lot of different pies, a lot of different either industries or parts of the mining industry. And I think he's going to offer our viewers a great view on what's going on in the world, what's going on in the space, and uh, just some good advice on how he's managing the situation himself. So ramble over. Without further ado, Craig, thanks for taking a few minutes out of your day today. Thanks, Jamie. Great to be speaking with you. So... I think, where should we start? Uh, you're based in Vancouver now. Obviously, you're an Austra from Australia originally, and you're a geologist. What, you know, what are you doing today in your own words, and where is the focus of your attention for people who haven't heard of you before? Yeah, absolutely, Jamie. So, so of course, you, you know, we're in a bit of a, a state of flux at the moment. So, um, you know, fast-changing, uh, fast-paced environment. Uh, so, of course, you know, the focus over the last two weeks has been you know, locking things down, bedding things down, making sure that our, our teams are all safe and healthy and, uh, you know, doing a run around the fences and making sure there aren't any holes. And a lot of that, of course, is, is ensuring that all of our companies are well financed, um, you know, putting burn uh, our cash management strategies in, in place, making sure our budgets are all tight and bedded down so that, uh, you, you know, if this goes on for, for too much longer, we're in, in good shape uh, and everyone stays safe and healthy, of course. So that, that's been the focus the last couple of weeks. Uh, more, more broadly and generally, I suppose, you know, my day job, ISO Energy, I'm the CEO there. We've got a, the, the latest and greatest uh, high-grade uranium discovery up in Canada, Saskatchewan's Athabasca Basin. Um, and that actually is what led me to Canada. I was a co-founder of a little company called NextGen Energy back in 2011. Uh, and NextGen, of course, we discovered the Arrow Deposit. Lee Courier, the CEO there, uh, led that, the team to that fantastic discovery. So that's, you, you know, that will, when it's built, be the world's biggest uranium mine and probably the highest margin mine on, on the planet. Um, so we had great success there and we decided to spin ISO Energy out back in uh, 2016 mm. to continue our, our strategy to acquire and, and build uh, and explore new uranium projects. And we, we met with success there two years discovering Hurricane. We actually put out some very good drill results there today uh you know some spectacular typical athabasca basin grade seven and a half meters at 14 percent u308 so so we're enjoying that we're, we're, we're making uh, great inroads in into uh the uranium business we love the uranium business of course um we can come back to that about uh, when we get onto the commodity perspective uh and then um look i, I had the great fortune a couple of years ago of uh, meeting a gentleman by the name of michael Connett, and, and mike uh is the ceo of Vizsla. 
Uh, Mike and I started a little cobalt company, which we sold pretty quickly back during that last cobalt boom. Uh, and Mike's an incredibly driven guy. He's, uh, he's put to t together a great team at Wiesler. Uh, we acquired the Panuco project and, and Mike's driving that forward. We've made a number of discoveries down there already on the field and uh, we're looking forward to more results coming out of there. We're still drilling there as of today. or I'm not sure how much longer that will go on uh, before Mexico goes into lockdown. But, um, you know, that's one of the most exciting projects I've ever been, been with Mike's consolidated an entire, uh, you know, district uh, in a, a previously um, underexplored part of, uh, of Mexico there at Panuco. So we're excited about that. Um, what else can I tell you? I'm the chairman of Skeena. As you mentioned, Skeena's got the old Esco Creek and Snip Mines we acquired off Barrack. So, uh, you know, they're very exciting projects as well. I love, if you, if you can get anything out of this, you'll find that, that you know, I, I love high-grade projects. Uh, and that's what we've got there in each of those three companies. And that's, um, you know, that's what you need, a fundamental building block to building a high-margin mine. And that's what we're always about. So... Resource Insider members and myself included are invested in Vizsla. Many of us came in. Uh, you may or may not know, a lot of our members are also indirectly invested in ISO and uh, NextGen through our Resource Insider Uranium Fund. So a bunch of money has been allocated to those two companies. You mentioned you love high-grade projects. Do you think that's sort of the cornerstone of these, of these companies? Can you explain for a second why that's important? For investors at home who maybe haven't heard that before, who are looking at different mining companies, what is the advantage of a high-grade project compared to something that's just massive but maybe lower grade? Yeah, absolutely. Of course, you know, when it, when it comes to all bodies, um, grade grade is king. You, you know, it always gets back to that. I'll give you an example there. When I, I spent the first nine years of my career with Rio Tinto, uh, Rio Tinto Exploration primarily, a little bit of time with business development, uh, exploring for de various different types of ore around the world, including iron ore. Uh, but I remember back in about 2000 and, oh, 2007, uh, Lee Clifford was the CEO of Rio Tinto and he came into our office and, and dragged all of 200, 200 of us out into the atrium. Uh, and gave us all a right dressing down. It was quite a, a stern dressing down. And he said, look, you buggers, it's lucky that we have some of the, the highest grade and best ore deposits in the world, our true tier one ore bodies, because we're useless at getting them out of the ground. Um, you know, so, so grade can hide a lot of sins, even for a big company that I think actually does a pretty good job of getting them out of the ground cost effectively. Um, you know, it ticks a big... Uh, risk box when you come to developing a project. Of course, you, you, you know, you've got to divide that up between open cut versus underground mining or in situ leach mining uh, and all of those things. But grade is fundamentally what gives you, uh, you, you know, you need that before you can have a high margin mine in effect. Involved in so many different projects in different parts of the world and different commodities, are there any similarities uh, across your portfolio companies you're involved in that in terms of how you're managing this crisis, what are the kind of things that companies need to be considering in terms of keeping personnel safe, in terms of uh, keeping supply chains open or undisturbed as much as possible? And, you know, frankly, for people listening at home, maintaining shareholder value as best mm -hmm. as possible in a very, very uh, volatile and tumultuous time. 
Yeah, sure. Well, you know, as I mentioned there with that Rio Tinto background, um, the, the first priority is always safety, the health and safety of your people. Um, so you, you must make sure that that's all, you know, that they're all looked after, all well. Uh, here in Vancouver, given what we saw uh, three weeks ago, we actually shut all of our offices, um, you know, a few days before uh, everyone was given the sort of lockdown order because we thought, well, okay, we can actually manage our businesses from home. We don't need to take any risk around this. So, you know, looking at those risks and managing that. Our site's a little bit differently. Uh, different. We, at ISO Energy, we shut our drill, rig, uh, drill campaign down about a week ago. Um, we, we, we looked at those risks and weren't too concerned. I think we're still drilling in Mexico today, although, you know, we'll look very closely at that over the next few days and work out what we need to do. Um, and, and so managing those safety risks is, is, is crucial. And then once you, you've got that on, in hand, uh, for us, it's, um, you know, very much around. And, of course, we all got beaten up, of course, with the, the collapse in markets in recent times. Um, we don't worry too much about that. You know, we, we take the view that this is a very short-term phenomena. Um, metals and mining will still be in great demand come out at, coming out of this. And of course, we see Trump tweeting today uh, that, that a lot of those trillions of dollars uh, that he's putting to work in his stimulus, stimulus packages will go into infrastructure spending. Now, that could create a massive, massive boom in, uh, in metals, of course. So, um, so we don't worry about those, those things too much, the short term. Um, in fact, I spent two weeks where I didn't look at our share price at all uh, in any of those companies because you're on a hiding to nothing. You know that they'll come back and they've started to do that in recent times. Just stick to your knitting and manage what you can and keep doing uh, good work and putting out good results. We'll, we'll take care of that. Um, but then another key factor of all of that is, okay, where are we at in terms of our cash balance? How does our spend look? And so we've been looking very closely at all of our budgets across all of those companies. Um, you know, we're very, uh, <coughs> we raise money when we can. And so that means that all of our companies are in a great position where we're all very well funded. And we, if, if this went on for a prolonged period, we can certainly last the next two years in any one of those companies I'm in, involved in. So we're in a neat position on that front, but you look very closely at that stuff. Um, I can tell you that, that in, uh, in Skeena, <clears throat> you know, we, we just announced uh, just before we went into this horrible period about three weeks ago that we're raising $20 million. That's mm -hmm. gone well. And that tells me, um, <clears throat> you know, also in EMR Capital, the guys are out raising uh, Fund 3, and that, that's a very big uh, raise. And so the interest there for both those companies has been very strong. So we know capital is still out there for good projects and good people. Um, so, you know, we've got that covered. We've got all those issues uh, bedded down and manageable. So, um, you know, and beyond that, uh, really sort of sticking to to our knitting and, and making sure that the projects are moving forward. We're doing as much as we can in all of those companies on paper. At ISO, for example, we've now got all of our results bar one set to come in the next couple of weeks. I should say people should keep an eye out for that uh, because the scintillometer results in those last two holes were nothing short of extraordinary. Um, and those results will be out in the next few weeks, so people should keep an eye out for that. But, um, you, you know, so you, you complete those work programs. And, of course, you've got to take a bit of time to sit back and assess uh, all of the results you've got, put them into your models, you, you know, see where you're going and, and work to plan out the next phase of drilling. So, um, you know, the, the, the great news in all of that is that we're not too uh, far off track. I don't think we'll be delayed at, at all mm -hmm. too much. 
uh, on any of those projects are in a neat position. So you mentioned EMRs out raising fund three, is that right? That's right. Now, I assume, you know, for, for those who don't know, EMR is a very large private equity firm based out of Australia. They've got billions under management. And I would assume that much of the capital they raise is from traditional sources for private equity, generalist investors, pension plans, uh, maybe sovereign wealth funds, that's, that sort of thing. People that are not mining expert. Now, are they seeing, are you guys seeing and a heightened interest in mining and precious metals projects at this time from the generalist crowd? Or are people kind of pulling back and they're waiting and seeing what's, what is the sentiment on these big sort of money allocators out there in the world right now? Yeah, good, good question. I, I think, you know, post the sort of uh, start of this downturn, this prolonged downturn we've been in since about 2012, 2013, um, you know, a lot of that generalist money has dried up and, and um, mm. you know, it's been guys like the, the team at EMR, Jason Chang, Owen Hegarty, the, the chairman, executive chairman of EMR, um, that have got great track records, have been able to raise money and, and keep going. And, and as you say, EMR's got about $2 billion US under management uh, now, including, uh, and then $5 billion of assets under management. So it's, it is a very big fund. Um, you know, they've had a good base load of in, level of interest from the generalist funds and those endowment funds and things that, that funds of funds that invest in those sorts of uh, businesses. Although, you know, we're a long way off where we were in, say, 2011 when there were vast amounts of capital available to those companies. And I, I think we'll get there. You, you know, the, the, the mining industry, of course, is one of the sort of most cyclical businesses in the world. Um, I, I think, you know, you see what's happening in the oil patch at the moment. Uh, uh, you know, I would expect some of that money will come out of uh, oil investments and, and go into other other forms. And, of course, we, you, you know, uh, the, the sort of ratio of industrials to mining investments at the moment is just about its all-time low. So we know that there's deep value in the mining sector, so that money will come back in slowly. Um, and then if you look at, you know, some of the other things that we're doing. Uh, we've had quite a bit of generalist interest in the US uh, picking up in the last, you know, three or four months. Um, I think, you know, you've had guys like Ray Dalio talking about moving into gold more and more. Uh, when that happens, you, you know, they're usually at the leading edge of those sorts of things, those thought leaders. Uh, and I think we're seeing a lot of those generalist funds try and get their head around how to invest in the sector. Of course, a straightforward way to, for them to do that is through EMR Capital by backing a team with a track record. Um, but, you know, we're, we're even seeing now, and you know, certainly at Skeena, as you'll see in a few days when we announce our closing of that placement that we're doing, that um, that's been heavily supported by generalist funds as well. So, you know, it's clearly building. Money's starting to come back to our sector. I think we're at the very start of what will be a, a massive uh, resources boom. So I, I have a hypothetical question, and it's actually something I've been thinking about for the last couple of months now, and I think you'd be the perfect person to ask. Um, you know, there are big funds in the mining space. There are the EMRs, there are, there's the RCF, there's uh, Orion, uh, Pack Roads to a lesser degree. There are some of these big funds that have, you know, billions under management. However, they are tiny compared to the more generalist funds, the the Bridgewaters of the world that have 
hundreds of billions and sometimes trillions under management of these really, really big funds. Do you think we get to a point where, in the world where there is a, maybe it won't just be mining focused, but a commodities focused fund with mining and energy and agriculture, et cetera, that, that can rival these big, big, big funds that have been focused on, on other industries, be it tech or partial oil and gas. Do you, you know, do you think we ever see a hundred billion dollar resource focus fund? I've, I've wondered that for a while and, and I don't know the answer to that, but. Very, very good question. And I, you know, my answer will be a little bit philosophical because, you know, at the moment, I, I don't know the, the combined market cap of our, our global mining sector, but it's probably in the order of, you know, might be lucky to be a trillion dollars. Look at Rio Tinto, BHP, combined market cap there, three, four hundred billion. And then, and then we fall away from there. So if it's only a trillion dollars, um, you know, that's about the market cap of, of Microsoft or, um, or Apple. Uh, and then, um, you know, the, the, the market cap, I, th- I haven't looked at Saudi Aramco in recent days, but about three weeks ago, Saudi Aramco, one oil company, or the, the biggest oil company, had a market capitalisation of $2, bill, uh, $2 trillion, uh, which is, is double the size of, of the resource sector, in, uh, the mining sector in total. Um, and, you know, what that speaks to for me is the fact that the, the planet end users ultimately don't value these natural resources, some of which are finite, not all of them, uh, but we don't pay enough for what we get out of the ground. I, I think that will change over time. It's certainly, you, you know, back when I started with Rio Tinto, for example, the iron ore business was uh, at Rio. We used to, to uh, dig the stuff out of the ground, put it on a boat, uh, and get about, you, you know, it cost us $15 a tonne to do that and we'd sell it for $19 a tonne. So it was a, uh, a low margin business. Uh, and then by the time I left Rio Tinto, Iron Ore was trading at about well over $120 a tonne. So you saw a step change increase in the value of that material coming out of the ground. That will happen again. We'll have to see that again to, to justify keeping on mining this stuff. And then if you look at... Um, you know, I, I, in one of my slides that I like to put up, uh, the, the combined s- sales of oil and gas in the world are, are sort of about uh, uh, $1.8 trillion annually. Uh, you look at iron ore, copper, gold or precious metals, they're sort of 100 to $200 billion type uh, markets annually. So they're, they're almost an order of magnitude smaller than oil and gas. So, uh, and, and I think... Globally, the mining sector is probably about 5% of the, of, of, of the world's invested money. So we're just a bit small, I think, is, is probably mm-hmm. to, to justify a fund of that scale. It, you know, I guess it might come down to uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the pressure that's on the world right now on investors and companies to be more environmentally friendly, to take care of, uh, you know, uh, carbon emissions and all that, that everyone's no doubt familiar with seeing in the news. And if the idea of energy starts to shift from purely oil and gas and maybe a bit uranium into the metals and mining space, when, you know, the electrification, if we're going to see that, that money flow into developing copper and nickel and silver and the things we need for, to electrify things, you know, are we going to see that revaluing of the space instead of a sort of nice to have mining product to a necessary to have energy product to, to heat and power and drive the world? 
again, I am getting very philosophical here, but it will be interesting to see that transition over the coming decades. And if, if I think if what people are demanding happens, if the Greta Thunbergs of the world get what they want and there's windmills and solar panels, you know, everywhere, that's going to have to happen. Yeah, look, it, it does. You're absolutely spot on. This is something that I'm, I'm very passionate about. And to expand on that point a little bit, uh, you know, you don't have to look any further than the uranium sector. Uh, again, if you look to Saudi Aramco, Saudi Aramco produces about 13, 14% of the world's oil and gas, uh, $2 trillion market cap. The entire uranium sector, mining sector, uh, has a combined market capitalization of $8 billion. So, you know, basically two orders of magnitude smaller than the valuation of Saudi Aramco. Now, we're a sector that provides uh, fuel for 10% of the world's electricity and 100% of the world's clean, green, zero carbon baseload electricity. Uh, you, you know, so there's a complete disconnect between... Um, you know, the, the true valuations of things. If the world is serious about going zero carbon and, 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 and having cleaner sources of energy, then that ch must change dramatically. Uh, you, you know, the uranium... Um, I, I, I'm pushing at the moment that we should stop calling nuclear energy nuclear energy. You, you know, it has some, some bad connotations. It's actually a very clean and safe form of energy, safer than any other form of energy, in fact. Um, so I think we should drop nuclear completely and just call it clean, green, baseload power. Uh, but anyway, the, the, we, you need uh, a serious realignment of values of, of, of the oil and gas sector for cleaner sources of energy, I think, uh, as an example. Well, have you seen that documentary on Netflix? Uh, I think it's called Inside Bill's Brain. It's about Bill... Uh, Oh my God, Bill Gates. I'm drawing Bill a blank different, but it's about Bill Gates and the the philanthropic projects that he works on. Uh, things from curing polo, polio in West Africa to uh, you know fighting greenhouse gas emissions. And hmm. you know, Bill Gates, obviously a very smart guy. He basically locked himself away and studied the problem, and he came to the conclusion that the only way to fix it in the medium term is through nuclear power. And he, you know, he tries to design more effective nuclear power plants and this, that, and the other. But, you know, when someone like that, who is not a mining investor, in no way incentivized to say that, and he's been taking, you know, a lot of shit from the world for saying that. But when he comes to that conclusion, independent of any uh, aligned incentives with the nuclear power industry, I'd, I'd say that's a very, very good indicator of, you know, how serious people should be taking it. Yeah, no, no, spot on. Of course, you know, one of the, the most brilliant minds the planet's ever seen there. And uh, he, he's um, really, you know, he, he's spot on. And I think he is sort of transforming um, people's, uh, people's attitude to, to nuclear power, to clean, green, zero carbon baseload power. Um, uh, you, you know, and, and I'm, I think we're seeing elsewhere globally uh, a number of other green groups, lobby groups and things are pushing towards nuclear power as well. So, so it's sort of coming. Um, we're at the earliest of stages of that, of course, but we've got a bit of, you know, I think generally the industry, uh, you could say this about the mining industry as a whole, has, a, has something of a massive PR problem. We probably don't do enough 
uh, to explain the great benefits of, of, of what we provide to the world. And some people just don't get it, you know, the, the types of people that think that a, a glass of, or a, a milk comes from a, a jug out of the fridge type people. So getting that message across and educating people about the importance of nuclear, I think, is, is crucial. So, Craig, we're, you know, we're in a time right now where a lot of mining, exploration, development com- companies, they're all very depressed. Where, you know, you're involved in a lot of different commodities, precious metals, uh, uranium. Where would you be focusing your portfolio? Where would you be looking if you were new to this space? If you had never invested in a mining company before, you didn't own any gold, but you know, maybe your portfolio has just been crushed like everybody else's in the world. You've been listening to people like me and you and uh, you know, a few other you know, smarter, better looking people out there talking about the mining space and the precious metal space. And you know, you're starting to come around to the idea that this is something I should be dabbling in. What, you know, where would you recommend investors have a look and things they should start thinking about? Well, firstly, I think they should subscribe to anything you're doing. <laughs> Good. I actually pay Craig to say things like that, so uh, <laughs> it's coming in handy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, there, there are pundits out there and other market experts that I think are, are very knowledgeable, like yourself, mm. Jamie, that do a great job, guys like, um, you, you know, Rick Rule, of course. Uh, you know, you can learn a lot from, from those sorts of people who've got a lot of experience. It's a tricky place to invest. I think you've got to be very careful. Um, you know, you need to spend a bit of time looking at things. Um, you know, a couple of sort of key tenets of my own personal investment thesis are, um, you know, not a bad place to start is the precious metal space. Um, gold, there's always sort of cash available for those companies Rates of failure don't uh, aren't great because of that. Um, or sorry, I should aren't, aren't bad because of that. And there's always cash rent, and you've got liquidity, so that's sort of important. The other thing I'd say is that um, you know you can have a good project, but with bad people running it, it won't go well. Um, I always take the view that that back the people uh, and find find those good people. You know, it's not hard to do in Canada. Guys like um, uh, you know Rob McEwen. Um, Pierre Lasson, those sorts of guys have got a tremendous track record of investing, so so worth following those guys because uh, the good people will always end up with the good projects at the end of the day. So uh, so so that you know that's not a bad perspective. Um, I, I think in terms of commodity mix, there are things that that we know and love. Precious metals, as I mentioned before, uh, you've got to be invested in copper. Copper has a tremendous future, of course. Uh, uranium, uranium is the energy power source for the future uh, and, and there's no better place to look to invest than in Canada where we do have those those giant mines in the highest grade and best margin deposits in the world so um, so so some of those things uh, and then you know for an investor you've really got to look at what your risk profile is like you know, for me personally um, I'm happy to take great risk and, and get into projects and, and back people very very early uh, even at the exploration stage, and of course, exploration risk is is all important and, and, and challenging to work out. Um, and uh, you know, and then you can all invest all the way through to to the majors and ETFs uh, and the like as well if you want to get a perspective. But I think taking a bit of time to learn and and you know, studying, following people like yourself, Jamie, is, is crucial to get that knowledge before you dive in. 
All right. Well, thank you for that. So my last question is, what are you going to do when you get out of isolation? I'm growing this darn COVID-19 beard, so that, that's going to have to go. It's starting to drive me nuts. Uh, <laughs> uh, look, you know, we, we need to get down to, to Mexico and, and up to Saskatchewan and have a look at our projects and take some investors out to see what we're doing there. Uh, and apart from that, I think I'll be at the pub uh, and go and catch up with some friends. I, I think, you know, one of the things I've learned out of this talking to various people is that, you know, humans need uh, you know, social interaction and, and spending time with their, their mates and things. And it's, it's you know, all, all important to your mental health. So I'll be getting out and catching up with friends, absolutely. I'd love to have a ski as well, but uh, that might be over by the time we come out of this. Yeah, getting near the end of the season of that one, I guess. I think Warren Irwin put it best in our last interview when he said, when I get out of here, I'm going to party like hell, man. So, <laughs> Well, and that's something to look forward to. You can imagine the parties we're going to have post, post-COVID post parties are going to be extraordinary. I, You know, I, I've thought about that a bit. And, you know, airlines and all travel is being massively depressed now. But, you know, when the floodgates come back on, I think people are going to rush out of there. And it's going to start with business travelers. You just mentioned, you know, you've got to get to sites in Mexico and Saskatchewan and elsewhere. I've canceled about 10 trips or, you know, in a four month period. And when this thing ends, I got to catch up with them. So it's going to be back to back to back. And I think the tourists are going to follow pretty quickly there after that. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I, you know, you look at what happened after the financial crisis in '08, um, and and you know, metals rocketed back to life. Uh, you, you know, prices went up, and we went through that massive second leg of of that uh, that massive boom that we had back in those times. And and I think we're going to see more of that. You know, and, and um, the spend on all things uh, will be tremendous. So, you know, I, I think it's a tough time at the moment. Um, very difficult for everyone, but you know, when we come out of this, it's going to be a, a, an enormous um, boom in everything, including partying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Craig, thank you very much. And for those listening at home, please check out more about Craig at Vizela Resources, ISO Energy, or Skina. Um, if you like this video, if you got anything out of it, please hit like, please subscribe to the channel, and it's just going to help us get this out to more people. Very much appreciated. So, Craig, thanks for taking the time out of your day today. Thanks, Jamie. Great chatting with you as always. All right. Talk to you soon.